Excuse me, David. I, I deeply apologize. Um, it is 6.49. We will start live streaming at 6.53. And uh, Bruce and Jean in the loft, the microphones are on. So at 6.53, if you're in front of a microphone, you will be heard. Okay, so once, once David starts at 6.53, then we don't have any talking, okay? Thank you.
Thank you, Joy and David. And I want to welcome you to our Maundy Thursday worship. I've been so looking forward to this. We didn't get to do it last year. And uh, today we're going to be entering into Jesus' story where he celebrates the Passover with his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. And then they, they exit the city and go nearby to the Mount of Olives where they spend the night uh, in a place in an area called Gethsemane. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have come to walk with you this night. Like you, sometimes we pray in agony, torn by inner conflict, unsure about your will, feeling that no one understands. Tonight we come to receive the holy meal because you have invited us. We come to humbly receive the bread and cup that point to your saving sacrifice. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to tell you about the end of the service now, okay? Um, after the altar is stripped and Joy plays the last note on the cello, I will get up and I will exit down the center aisle. And that will be your cue to say, okay, it's time to get up, but we're going to leave in silence, leave the worship center in silence. And um, I would just also encourage you to be, you know, considerate with others about spacing and being appropriate in that way. Um, and then uh, also one thing about Maundy Thursday is that it anticipates the, the events that will unfold on Good Friday. So with that in mind, I would invite you to stand as we sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand.
be seated. What would Jesus do? Hi, boys and girls, Miss Leah here. I'm so glad you could join us tonight. Today is Monday, Thursday. And on Palm Sunday, we talked about how Jesus came to show us what love looks like. We're going to continue talking about that as we hear today's true Bible story. Jesus had invited his disciples to a special supper, and he knew that this would be the last time he ate with them. In biblical times, when you arrived at a person's home, you were supposed to take off your shoes or sandals and have your feet washed by a servant. After walking on dirt roads all day, I'm sure their feet got pretty dirty. But Jesus surprised his disciples at this special supper, and he washed their feet for them. He wanted to show them what love looked like. He wanted to show them that we can show love to others by serving them. We can show that we follow Jesus by serving others. And parents, that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So kids, right where you are, stay in your pews or right where you are at home, go ahead and take off your shoes. And parents, if you're here in worship, grab that baggie with the wipe in it. Or at home, go ahead and grab that washcloth or a baby wipe. And we are going to wash our children's feet. Parents, as you wash your children's feet, tell them, follow Jesus because he loves you. Parents, go ahead and begin washing your children's feet. Jesus came to show us what love looks like, and serving others shows them what love looks like too. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. So kids, what was it like to get your feet washed by your parents? Tell them about that. And parents, what was it like to serve your children by washing their feet? Tell them about what you were thinking while you were doing that. Tonight, I want you to sit down as a family and talk about the ways that you can serve others and show others what love looks like. And I'll see you again tomorrow for another special interactive children's time for Good Friday. Until then, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, Amen. After children's time, just hang on to that baggie and the wipe. And after the service is over, there are containers outside of the worship center that you can throw away these things in. The baggie goes in one labeled soft plastics and the wipe can go in the landfill container. Thanks for helping us out with our recycling efforts. I'll see you again tomorrow. I love you and I miss you all. Bye. What would Jesus do? deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How 
celebrate the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Have you ever experienced something so abstract and yet so real? It seemed like it was happening in a dream. Let me explain. I recall going up the, the stairs to the upper room when my eyes adjusted to the candle-lit room. I could make out the disciples over in, in one place. I could see John and James, Thaddeus, and Andrew. It was then that I, I heard my name being called. Peter, come here. It was Jesus, my, my teacher, 
but he was dressed like a, like a servant. He had a towel wrapped around his waist, and he had a basin of water by a stool. He beckoned me to be seated, and, and then he took my feet. When he started to wash my feet, I, I pulled back, and I, I said he, I would never allow him to, to wash my feet. And he said that if I didn't allow him to wash my feet, I would not be clean. And so then, in my zeal, I stood up and I said, well, then wash my hands and my, my face, too. And Jesus said, I only needed to have my feet washed, and then I would be clean. I still don't quite know what he, what he meant. And then later, we all enjoyed our, our Passover meal, but again, it was Jesus who changed things up. Right there in, in the middle of the Seder, he took the matzah bread and he, he held it up and he, he broke it and he said something about this bread being his body. And then when we got to the fruit of the vine and we lifted it up, he said that this was his blood. You know, this has been a, a most confusing night already, and I don't think it's over yet. I, I must go, as, as Jesus wants, wants all of us to go with him to the garden to pray. It's late, and, and I fear that something dreadful is about to happen. I'm tired, but for now, I must go with him. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you 
will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe, woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, we thank you. Thank you for coming to us in the person of Jesus, our Lord, our Messiah. We want to discover the purpose of your suffering. We want to experience the love of your sacrifice. We want to receive the forgiveness of your cross. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Passover. Passover is the most important holy day for the Jewish people. It's part of a week-long festival of the unleavened bread, and uh, Passover is, is like a sermon in a meal. The foods represent parts of the story of Israel's exodus from Egypt. The bitter herbs represent the bitterness of their ancestors' slavery. The unleavened bread reminds them that they left in a hurry and there was no time to let the dough rise. And with his mighty arm, God parted the waters and delivered them from the hands of their Egyptian oppressors. The people of Israel were redeemed, which means they were set free. The Israelites eat Passover Looking back to that miraculous deliverance, they eat the Passover looking at the present, knowing that they are God's people. They eat Passover looking forward to the day when their deliverance will be full and final. It was on this night, about 30 A.D., 
Jesus celebrates Passover, not with his mother and brothers this time, but with his disciples. And yet, on this night, Jesus will say things they do not expect to hear. First, he announces that one of them will betray him. And of course, this causes them all to go into a panic, soul-searching, which, you know, would I do such a thing? And then, in Matthew 26, 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Notice it says that uh, he gave thanks. And that's why communion, another name for it is uh, Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. And I imagine that Jesus might have used the traditional uh, communion prayer, the traditional prayer of thanksgiving, which was, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then Jesus says... Take and eat. This is my body. Of course, the disciples are looking at each other. What is this? He's not following the Passover script. What is this about? The broken bread represents his body that would be broken. Maybe the disciples begin to remember the, the prophecies about the suffering servant in Isaiah he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And then Jesus took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And again, we see those words, he gave thanks. And he may have... Again, use the traditional Jewish blessing. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Tonight, I want us to take a closer look at that phrase, he took a cup. A lot has been said about this cup, hasn't it? What kind of cup it might have been. Um, for the last thousand years, the, the chalice Jesus used has been somehow tied to the legend of the Holy Grail, giving immortality to whoever drinks from it. You saw the Indiana Jones movie, right? But the kind of chalice, the kind of cup that Jesus used didn't matter to him. The gospel writers say nothing about it. What does matter is the meaning of the cup that it represents his suffering. Later that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays that this cup of suffering might be taken away. He, he doesn't want to drink it if he doesn't have to. But in the end, he prays, may your will be done. Over and over in the Old Testament, the prophets use that image of, of drinking the cup. 
to portray uh, people receiving judgment for their sins. And, and by, by the cup that Jesus drinks, he takes our judgment upon himself. That's what our, that's what our king does for us. So earlier at the dinner table, back in the upper room, knowing that the cup of suffering awaits him, Jesus gives them the cup, the cup of forgiveness. And he says, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Covenant. Covenant means that God is making a promise. God promises to forgive all who turn to Jesus and trust him in faith. And we then become part of his kingdom. We live the reign of Jesus wherever we go. But the cup of forgiveness that we drink has another meaning. It is also the cup of our suffering. It is the suffering that we share with Jesus and for Jesus. And it is through our sacrifice and our servanthood and our suffering that God changes the world. Did you, did you hear that? Let me, let me say it again. It's through our sacrifice and our servanthood and our suffering that God changes the world. Another way to look at the cup is to see it as a mixture devised by God's enemy, the evil one. This devilish drink contains, for example, the imperial power of Rome determined to crush all who stand in its way. Romans devised one of the most torturous of all executions. Thousands upon thousands had been killed by being nailed to a cross. Another ingredient in this deadly cocktail is the corruption of the Jewish leaders. The high priest had no problems getting rid of this innocent Jesus. Caiaphas just sees him as a threat to his power and his status. Blended also into this vile mixture is the fickleness of God's chosen people. Now, we don't know if the ones who shouted Hosanna on Sunday were the same ones who shouted crucify him on Friday. But even if they weren't the same, the Hosanna crowd was strangely silent while Jesus was being tried and sentenced. The enemy also stirred into this lethal brew the cowardice of Jesus' own disciples. They say they will be strong, but they sleep when they're asked to pray. They run when they said they'd stay, and they deny him. They turn their backs to save their skin. This potent elixir is the deadliest ever concocted, sure to kill the strongest victim especially made for Jesus. God's adversary, the accuser, watches with glee as 
Jesus drinks the cup down to the last drop. He dances as Jesus dies. His plan to fully conquer God's world has taken a giant leap forward, or so he thinks. What the enemy does not know is that by taking this cup of suffering and death, Jesus creates in himself a powerful antidote. It's as if his blood, symbolizing his self-sacrificing death, has become the cure for all who believe. And as a result, the enemy has lost his grip on us, and we are now firmly in the hand of God. In God's hand, we are being restored. And God is working through us to restore the world. In Jesus, the cross becomes the cure. I meant what I said. I will not desert him. Even if, if all the others desert him, I, I, I must not. Even if I have to die, I will not deny Jesus. I meant what I said. Let me explain. We, we were in the garden tonight, and we all see Judas kiss Jesus. And then everything just went crazy. Somewhere, someone seizes Jesus, and, and out of nowhere, a, a sword appears, and, and the high priest's slave's ear gets cut off. And then I know there's going to be trouble, and they're shouting, and there's confusion. I, I hide in, in the roots of an, of an old olive tree. It's all going so wrong. And then the mob drags Jesus from the Mount of Olives, and I follow, staying back a bit. We, we cross the Kidron Valley and Jerusalem by the East Gate. It's dark and the city streets are empty. I lag behind. I, I don't want to be seen or, or caught. Following the torchlights and, and the noise was, was easy, and I follow them right up to the high priest's house. Jesus must have been inside. I can't see him, but there's a fire that burns in the courtyard and and so we all gather around to warm ourselves by the, by the fire. As I look around, I, I realize that some in this mob are the same ones that grab Jesus. And soldiers, they're soldiers from the high priest. And, and my blood runs cold, and still I, I stay to hear what's being said, so I, I pull my cloak even tighter around me. And then we hear the, the, a wail from the high priest's house. It's like a wail of triumph. The guards around me are called away. I, I see them as they, as they take Jesus and they beat him. They hit and spit on my beloved Jesus. It's torture. Just listening. 
what can I do? I'm frightened. But I stayed. I stayed. And now others are gathering around the the fire. A group of serving women gather and they start to gossip about Jesus and what happened. One of them looks at me and says, hey, you were with that man from, from Nazareth. You were with Jesus. I start to sweat despite the chill of the, of the evening. They'll stone me too if, if they find out that I was with him. And so, in fear, I, I cry out, No, you don't know what you're talking about, woman. I do not know him. And just then I, I hear the courtyard cock crow. I feel so ashamed. I, I move away toward the, toward the gate, but people have heard her accusation. Others are looking at me. She follows me. She points her finger at me, and she says, this man is one of them. There is such venom in her voice. No, No, I cry out, denying her accusation. I do not know that Galilean. And and then I stand outside the gate. I don't want to leave until I know what's happened to Jesus. And, And a man comes and measures me up and down and says, certainly you are one of them. I can tell by your accent that you are a Galilean. I curse my accuser, and I say, I swear on my mother's head, I do not know this man. And with that, the courtyard cock crows once again. You know, I, I remember being at the Passover meal tonight, and, and I, I swore to Jesus, I swore to him that even though everyone else might desert him, I would not, never, Even if I had to die with Jesus, I would not desert him. And I remember well what Jesus said to me. He said, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. I'm so afraid. What can I do? They might stone me too. I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry. I I wanted to be brave, but I was so afraid. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me. I invite you to join with me as we pray our prayer confession. You'll see it on the screen. That's not the right one. (laughs) That's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pray it. You join with me in your heart. Merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, 
word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent because of the grace you have shown through your Son, Jesus. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Give us the grace to delight in your will and walk in your ways. And now I invite you to bring your own confessions before the Lord at this time. Hear these words of assurance. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Lord, it is always a good thing to give thanks to you. You are the Father Almighty. You are the creator of heaven and earth. And when we turned away from you, you did not turn away from us. Your love remained steadfast. And so, Lord, we ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine. And may they be for us the body and blood of Christ, his very presence. We pray in the name of Jesus our Lord, and now we pray as he taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You received the uh, container when you were coming in. If you'll open that outer lid and receive the piece of bread, the body of Christ given for you. Amen. And then if you'll take the little container with the cup and pull back the lid, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. As you exit, there will be a place um, also to recycle your communion cups. <clears throat>